0: It is really hot out there, but we are so happy that you're here with us today and here to worship and here to praise God, and we're here to be a family. I know some folks are still coming back, and we have many that are watching still online, and we are so happy in whatever way you're here with us. We're happy for that because we are the family of God. We want to keep growing as the family of God. Next Sunday is the 4th of July. Can you believe we're already to that point? And you may have seen in the bulletin that next sunday there is just one service no class service at 10 30. if you just show up next sunday you're going to not have to think about anything you're at the right time but we have lots of folks that are out of town but next sunday we're all going to be together we're going to focus on the lord's supper together and it'll be a wonderful time to be together as the family of god as memorial church of christ we thought about going outside like we did at easter time and then we remembered we live in houston so we don't do that in the summer. So also, one other thing I wanted to say, not meaning to embarrass anyone, but E.R., who did our welcome today, often does our welcome, what a, what a great guy he is. He became Mr. E.R. Hamilton this week. He and his fiancée, Liz, are now husband and wife, and we are so happy for E.R. For e. and Liz. What a, what a great couple they are, and a great couple they'll be for the Lord. This morning, we're talking about that one parable. We keep talking about that one parable, and here's another one today. The one about soil samples. You might be saying, "Well, if I wouldn't have heard the scripture reading, I wouldn't have any idea about soil samples." But where I grew up in the Texas Panhandle and in western Oklahoma, we knew a lot about soil, or we knew people who knew a lot about soil. Really, is a better way to put it. My mother, the, I guess, what she, she retired from from working for the county. She worked for uh, as a secretary for the for the uh, county extension agent and soil conservationist, and that's important in that part of the world it's important everywhere but especially in that part of the world because we don't want to have another dust bowl so farmers would ask her boss about what type of soil or what they ought to put in the soil in order to make their crops grow or how often they ought to rotate those crops all that was so important soil is so vital dirt is not just dirt and believe me i know that because in our backyard, we have, this, we have this big area of our backyard that just will not grow grass. I have tried at least 12 times to put grass there. Barbara has tried at least 12 times to put grass there. Really, I have like four of the 12, okay? Okay and so but it just doesn't grow And i go out they we have these little runners going and emma is at home home for a week or two and and so they and they think i'm crazy i go out and measure with my hand to see how much farther they've grown because i just want grass you know uh, you know how important the soil is but it's not good soil at least in that one part well jesus living two thousand years ago on this earth he used a lot of what we call agrarian examples, examples from agriculture, because he was dealing with shepherds and farmers and people who walked outside all the time, pre-video game, and people were outside, no, no organized sports, and so they were out in the fields. And so, so many of his illustrations are about farming, or they're about shepherding and similar subjects. And so today, that's what we're thinking about. Those four types of soil. And Jesus told a parable, as he often did. Now, these parables, usually he doesn't tell you what they mean. And so you have to figure out what they mean and to make them fun for preachers to preach about what they mean. But this one, he did a favor for some of us, and then an unfavor, is that such a word, for, for preachers. The favor he did was the apostle said, what does it mean? And he told us what it means. Now, that's really good. That's what we want. But it's hard as a preacher to say, well, that's what it says. Because we get paid to tell you what it says, right? But Jesus went ahead and told us what it says. The four types of soil is that soil that's on the path. And then there's that soil that is rocky. And then there's the soil that's among the thorns, the thorny soil. And then just what we call the good soil. So we'll see those four times. If you are a church-going person, you have heard this parable probably many, many times. If you are one that goes to Bible class or Sunday school, you've heard it. But always in our audience, we always have folks who are learning and searching and coming to find out more about Jesus. And so today, this may be your first time to hear this parable, but I want you to know that it, is, it was said by Jesus, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was written down for us by Luke and by Matthew. And this is an important thing for us to understand. Now, starting in Luke 8, in verses 11 and 12, this is where he says it, this is the meaning of the parable, the one you heard read this morning. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, this is soil number one here, right? This is the hard path. You know what this is like. This is the dirt road out in the country, right? This is the path behind my house. This is, you understand this. And so you can throw seeds out, and you know that probably nothing is going to grow in that place on the street unless it gets swept off and gets into better soil nothing's going to happen out on the dirt road because it's too hard but it's also and and these would be the people we might say that have no interest in the gospel now we don't do much of this anymore but used to a long time ago and still in some parts of the of the country and the world People will knock doors. You just go house to house to house to house, and you knock on a door and say hello and and talk to them about the Bible or have a question. Do you know where you would go if you died? Different things that people use. If you have ever done that like I've done that, you know what most people do. No thank you. Or they slam the door in your face, right? Those are the folks we might call the hard soil, the hard path. Those that aren't going to listen if you have had people reject you, not just from door knocking, but I mean talking to a friend or a family member or a spouse or a child or, or a person at work, and they have no interest in the gospel and in the message that you have to share, that they don't care about your faith, they don't care about why you have the morals you have, they don't care about your salvation, don't blame yourself for that. Now there may be a way to hone your skills or learn how to ask questions, but Jesus tells us right up front, there will be people who are not going to listen. A matter of fact, eventually most will reject. That's not from me and it's not really a message I like, but that's what Jesus says it's like. So these are people with no interest in the gospel. Now there's also a little caveat I want to give you here this morning, and that is you may have to fight to believe. You see what he says there in the passage? He says, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So this morning, if you are one that's here and you're thinking, oh boy, I've got to go to church, I'm here to make so-and-so happy, or I'm here because I have to be, or maybe I'm just here because this is just what I do, even though I don't believe or I'm struggling to believe. You may have to fight for your belief. All those voices, and I don't mean literal voices, but all those voices that are telling you to reject Jesus, that are telling you that there is no place for church in your life, that are telling you to walk away from this group of people that call themselves Christians, those voices are not from God. That is not the archangel putting his wings around you saying, oh, walk away, don't believe in Jesus. That's not where that's coming from, okay? Whether you say it is it's from, from friends or from family or from culture or whatever, those voices are, are devilish voices. That is what is negative and bad. Instead, we may have to fight and say, you know what, I'm going to stay faithful to God even though I have a spouse that that complains every time I walk in the house after church, although I have a spouse that's upset if I try to even give any money to help with with church things or mission trips or whatever, even though I may live in a situation that's so difficult where people make fun of me at work, and I know as soon as I get in my cubicle tomorrow, people are going to come in and say, oh, what did you do on the weekend, fuddy-duddy, right? You're going to get that, and you're going to want to stop. Do not stop your faith is worth it and fight for your faith the way jesus fought for us on the cross so don't stop don't give in because there are those 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 things at work that want us to quit i want you to see in the next verse in luke chapter 8 verse 13 the next type of soil says those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it but they have no root they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they, fail, they fall away. Now, this group is the one that really frustrates me sometimes, are those on the rocky soil. Now, it's not about rocks, but you know this thing about testing? We all, our plants, had a big test this past winter, didn't they? I mean, we had a freeze like maybe we have never had in this part of the world. And, and, and you know, it's not that it was that cold compared to where I came from, except back where I came from, we had insulation in our houses, you know? But I remember looking out at our yard, and while there's no grass in that one part, Barbara has planted beautiful flowers, and there's ginger at the back, and there's this fluffy thing back there. I don't know what they're called. All these things around, and I thought, it's all dead. It's dead. It all died. But you know what, today, 99% of it has come back. The ginger that, that's at the, at the back is not nearly as tall as it was, but it's down here. It's coming back. And all those things that we assumed were dead, they're not dead. When we moved here, we planted this sago that Barbara didn't like very much. And so after the freeze, she said, you need to kick that over, it's dead. And so I kicked it over, and I said, it wasn't dead. She said, oh, well, send it to the street, because she didn't like it. But the reason it's not dead, those things weren't dead, is while they looked dead on the top, there were roots that were still alive underneath, that were still growing. There was still life in all of that. But now you get to this rocky soil, and he says, these are people who seem thrilled about about life and about salvation. They seem like everything's great, but it's superficial. These are the ones that frustrate me so much. I have a Bible study with someone, or maybe somebody else does, and they're baptized into Christ. Incidentally, after first service, we had a baptism this morning. J.P. Brown was beautiful and wonderful. Sean Freeman baptized him. And and it seems like people are so excited for Jesus. I mean, at that point, when they come out of the water, they're ready to go, and and we're ready to sign them up for ministry because they're so pumped for Christ. And, And so, you know... We say, okay, you're so excited. We're gonna, we're gonna make, we're gonna have you be a sponsor for the lock-in for the junior high kids, because that's not what we wanted here, right? And they're willing to do it because they're so excited about Christ. And then a couple weeks or months later, they're not here. They start missing or they start kind of fading away. Maybe they were calling us about Bible questions, and it goes away. The rocks became stronger, or they became more dependent on the rocks than they did on the good soil over time. You see, this is what we may call surface Christians. Do you know about surface Christians? You understand it, right? Years ago, there was a when we were missionaries in brazil there was a family that we would go meet we would go see a couple and their two and and their two children we would go see them every saturday they lived in a they lived in a shack and we would see them every saturday and and what we knew was if we didn't go on saturday they wouldn't be at church on sunday i mean it just it happened every time and so We had been in Brazil every two years. We would have what we'd call a furlough. We'd come back for three months. We would visit our families. We'd visit our sponsoring congregation. We'd visit the other congregations that were giving money. And it was all wonderful. But I remember saying to Barbara about this family, I said, do you realize that as soon as we don't go visit them on a Saturday while we're gone to the States, they are not going to be there on Sunday? She said, maybe it's time for them to learn. They never went a single time because we didn't go see them on Saturdays. Well, when we went back later, every once in a while they would come, but even a visit on Saturday wouldn't help. I mean, if I would have gone and picked them up and taken them and dropped them off in front of the church building on Sunday morning, they would have walked across the street to McDonald's or somewhere. They just went away. You know, this can happen to people, this no surface. It's not that you have to be a Christian, that that this just happens over a couple of months. There are people who have called themselves church members. They may even show up sometimes, or maybe all the time. For decades, who have no roots. For decades, they look like they're a Christian. They tell people they're a Christian but they're rocky soil. They are not fighting for their faith. They are letting everything else and every one of those voices in the culture get in their heads and determine where their hearts will be. We all deal with it sometimes. Now there's another kind of soil, the thorny soil in Luke chapter 8, the next verse, verse 14. And that's the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear But as they go on their way, now listen to this, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Well, this kind of goes to that same similar kind of group that can be rocky soil. It can also be church folks, as we call them, that are also those on the thorny soil. If I were to write a book about about this chapter, I might call this The American Verse choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. You know, I am so thankful that our attendance is going up again. We're not where we were pre-pandemic, and we have folks watching, and we're so thankful for them as well. But what we know in Christianity, in, in quotes, across the country, is that numbers are going down. And they were going down before the pandemic, and the pandemic just sped it up. Part of the issue is life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They get in the way, don't they? Now, I want you to imagine what this is like, because we all have different things. And so I'm not trying to pick on anyone today, but I want you to imagine that you have done well enough financially that god has blessed you and you are you're intelligent he gave you incredible intelligence and you have bought a you have your house but you bought another house you bought a beach house down in galveston galveston bay and you bought a house and it's wonderful right because of your riches what you've done is you've gone and you've purchased pleasures and you said okay we're going to be there all the time right but now, how does riches work with pleasure? As soon as it's hurricane season, what happens, right? You start worrying about that house. And you know the names of all of the storms that are coming. You know what the A through Z of what they're going to be. Because now, because of life's riches and your pleasures, now there's worry. And all those things can get us, right? Now, it doesn't have to be a beach house, it's our new house that gets us. It's our new car that gets us. Oh, no, I got a scratch on it. I can't believe this. Right? It's all these things that get us. And sometimes what happens is we just walk away because these things suffocate our faith. Now I don't have time for my faith because of all this other stuff. We say, wow. Mr. So-and-so or Sister So-and-so, they used to be always there. They were involved in children's ministry and they were involved in youth ministry and they were involved in our ministry to the widows and they were involved in our in our ministry to, to, to our missionaries and doing outreach in the community. And wow, they were doing everything. But now they don't have time anymore because of life's worries and riches and pleasures. Now, I'm not against pleasure i'm not against riches i'm against worry but i'm not against those other things but those other things suffocate our faith sometimes there's a quote by piper that is a long quote and i've got to read it all because it's it's so much better than anything i could say he says the greatest enemy of hunger for god is not poison but apple pie it's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the primetime drivel of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it is a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife, in Luke 18, 14, 18 through 20. The greatest adversary of love to God, now listen to this, the greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. What takes us away sometimes are his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry, is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable jesus said some people hear the word of god and a desire for god is awakened in their hearts but then as they go on their way they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life in another place he said the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful the pleasures of this life and the desire for other things. These are not evil in themselves, these are not vices, these are gifts from God. They are your basic meat and potatoes and coffee and gardening and reading and decorating and traveling and investing and TV watching and internet surfing and shopping and exercising and collecting and talking and kids sports and fun and everything else you can imagine that takes us away. And all of them can become deadly substitutes for God. Wow, it's not the bad stuff. It's the good stuff that's overused. It's the good stuff that all at once takes priority in our life instead of the one that gives the good stuff. And all at once we walk away from God, and we don't even realize we're doing it. We just appreciate God's blessings, but somehow we forget God in the midst of it. Well, in Luke 8, verse 15, he goes on with one more type of soil, and this is one that we want to be. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, what I pray is, is that we are good soil today. I'm not saying we all are, because I don't know, it's not mine to decide, and I'm not the judge. But I pray you're here this morning on a Sunday in June because you are good soil. But I also know that some of us are probably being threatened by the thorns and some of us are being threatened by the rocks and some of us just by being hard-hearted like the past. But I want you to see what the good soil is like, what it requires. It requires a good and noble heart. Without that, there will be no good soil. Some of us maybe have to work on our hearts so that we can have a place for Christ. We need to be tilling our hearts so that we can have a place for belief and salvation. And so sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, he's really crusty on the outside, but he's got a good heart. And so that's, that's possible, right? There are a lot of, a lot of people like that. It's a person that has a good and noble heart that can be a candidate for a person to be in good soil. They are well-intentioned people. They want what's good. They're not out for evil. They're out for what's good and what's right. Now, here's the big part for us. They have to stop and retain the message. Do you know what that's like? Sometimes you can be in a room, my guess is right now, you are, some of you are in here, and you do not know what I'm saying. Don't worry, I know it's that way. I've sat out there too. Some of you, you just don't even hear what I'm saying. You know, there are words, but you don't know what they are. I've always heard the story about, about a preacher, and they always claim it's true. There are two or three different versions, but about the preacher, you know, who, who threw a book down, or threw the, a, a song book down, and the song leader jumped up on the front row and started leading the song, because he was totally out of it right so i realized that but in general when it comes to following christ of having a heart that's open what i'm going to have to do is stop and listen to what the bible has to say what jesus has to say what the inspired writers have to say And then study it to the point and meditate it on to the point that I retain what that is. Not that I retain every word. Not that I know every judge of the divided kingdom in the Old Testament. That's not what I mean. But I retain what God wants in general for me. Where he wants me to go. The footsteps he wants me to follow in. And I keep his word right by me. So that when I do get off track, I'm getting back on track that I'm following Him, that I stop and hear and retain the message of Jesus. So some of you today maybe are saying, well, you know what? I must just be thorny soil. I must be rocky soil because I am not where I want to be. I'm trying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm meditating. I'm I'm, I'm trying to to follow the Lord. and I'm I'm, I'm going to Bible class. I'm going to worship service. and, and, And I'm trying to be involved in ministry i'm trying but i don't feel like i'm growing very much well understand this first of all you may be growing and not realizing it but i also want you to know that it takes time to grow a crop one of the things jesus said about the good soil in luke 8 here was he said the one that's in good soil is not only the one that stops and hears and retains But it's the one who perseveres. In order, if you're going to grow your crops, there will be times of drought, and there will be times of floods, and there will be times that the sun is just right, and the shade is just right, and everything seems to be going well. But it's not like, oh, well today I'm going to be baptized into Jesus, and tomorrow I'm an elder. It doesn't happen that way. It is a growing process, and there may be some droughts in your life, but do not give up. Keep following Jesus. Keep being faithful, even when it's difficult. Even when those folks are saying negative, nasty things to you, don't give up. Persevere, and you will see the crop eventually. Eventually you'll know. Which today is what I want to ask all of us, including myself, is will I be good soil? See, this is one of the things I can do is decide what kind of soil I'm going to be. I can decide if I'm going to let the Lord crush those rocks and pull those thorns out so that I can be good soil. Or I can say, you know, I don't really care. I get to decide that. Will I let the Lord work in me? You know, I think for so many folks, especially folks that have been Christians for a long time, it's easy to just let things go. Behind our house is, we have a creek that I've talked about several times, just a little creek, but there is, we have a patch of grass that I go out and we mow. Barbara, I mow it every week, and I even fertilize that back part. It's it's a the best grass we have is not in our, in our yard. Isn't that the way it always goes? But every once in a while, I'll see a little sticker plant. And then I'll notice the next week there are three or four of them. Well, you know what's going to happen if we don't pull those right away or, or put something on them? You know what's going to happen? We're not going to have the beautiful grass we have back there anymore. We're going to have a sticker patch. Some of us who are good soil, a little sticker pops up, a little complication, a little problem, got a little little hitch in my get-along, as we sometimes say. And then there's another sticker, and another, and another, and before long all we have is a patch of thorns where we used to have a beautiful garden that looked like Eden, but now it's all gone away. I've got to decide, am I going to turn to God or am I going to let those thorns take over? Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ today and start that walk and start in that good soil. For the Lord will wash away your sins and in its place, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, where God will make you a part of His kingdom, and the, the blessings are overwhelming. Or maybe this is one where I've I've got to pray for God to help me to do better than I'm doing right now. And maybe it's to tell a friend, maybe you want the prayers of everybody, we'll all pray for you, if that's what you want. Or you can write to elders at mcoc.org, and they'll be praying for you, unless you want it to be public, and then they'll let us all know so we can all pray for you. But we want to look more like the good soil and more like Jesus this week than we did even last week. Come this morning as we stand and sing.